All right, hello everybody and welcome into today's episode of Around the Slice. As always, we are back for a traditional staple Thursday show where we preview the upcoming week's game. And this weekend, we have a division divisional battle, if you will, between the Buffalo Bills at New England Patriots in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Um, luckily it's not too far of a trek for the Bills. It's only six hours. It's not like a flight or anything. Um, but still away game nonetheless. At least it's semi-close. But today we're gonna go over my keys to the game, any injuries, five game predictions, player of the game predictions, all that. So without further ado, let's just get into it. I'm gonna dive a little bit deeper into this one than I usually do, just because it's division opponent and we division opponents good or bad or whatnot we always know them pretty well and they division opponents always play tough because they got nothing to lose especially with the patriots so uh first let's get into the official broadcast information so you guys know where to stream it where to watch it all that jazz so this game bills at patriots and is in like i mentioned in foxborough massachusetts the new england patriots are home the bills are away uh it is this sunday October 22nd at 1 o'clock p.m. on CBS. So, fun fact, the Bills only have two regular, regularly, regularly scheduled Sunday 1 o'clock CBS games. Um, that's this one against the Patriots this Sunday, the 22nd. And then I think the other one is... Oh, no, the other one is the Patriots in Week 17, I believe. So the two left are the Patriots Week 7 and the Patriots Week 17. The other ones are either, like, primetime Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, or, like, a couple 425 slots. The one that comes to mind is the Chiefs. Anyway, so, yeah, Sunday, October 22nd, 1 o'clock p.m. on CBS. That's where you can watch it, whether you have YouTube TV like I do, cable, whatnot. That's where you can see it. Next, I want to get into some injuries because it seems like injuries are running rampant throughout both these teams. The Bills is pretty lengthy, but the Patriots one is even lengthier. Since this is a Bills podcast and a Bills fan's perspective, I'll give you the Bills um, injury report first. So let me pull it up. So first, this is the big one we're all concerned about, Josh Allen. Now, mind you, I only have the practice report, or the injury report, I should say, rather, for Wednesday. So I'm recording this Thursday morning, October 19th. So I'm, what I'm reading off to you is the practice report for Wednesday, October 18th. So only one day of practice. And the Bills only held a walkthrough. What that means is kind of a lighter practice, and injuries are kind of, they're kind of like forecasting injuries. They're simulating practice as if they're practicing, they're predicting kind of just going off of who would have practiced from that. So quarterback Josh Allen uh, was limited in the walkthrough practice with a right shoulder injury. We all saw the play. He's actually the one that took himself out of the game smart on him. He felt like he dinged up his throwing shoulder a bit in that halfway through the second quarter in that Giants game. My heart stopped for a minute. My heart dropped for a minute. That's okay. They only, only missed two plays. Kyle Allen just handed off both times. James Cook and Latavius Murray, respectively, or one or the other, I can't remember. But point is, he took himself out for the right-throwing shoulder. He threw, and then he felt a little twinge or whatever you want to call it. And then he was buzzed down for a concussion, a head injury. 
but he, he was fine. No, the imaging revealed nothing in the throwing shoulder. They're just being cautious. I would too. It's Josh Allen. Next, tackle Spencer Brown. Uh, he was he's listed here, but he had some inflammation, I guess, but he was a full participant. Uh cornerback Kyer Elam, he was limited here in this walkthrough practice with an ankle injury. Now, this is kind of concerning because no one seems to be staying healthy in this cornerback room. Like nobody. It, every week it's something. We already know Trey White. Just sad, unfortunate, all that. And but Christian Benford missed the game. Then Dane Jackson missed the game last week against the Giants. And then who's gonna miss now? Kyrie Elam. I know Kyrie Elam was wasn't playing great, not even close. Some people have been calling him a bust. I'm not there yet, but but highly disappointed with his play and level of playing physicality. But the point remains that he's a key backup on this team. He's been starting the last two games, respectively, for the aforementioned Benford and Jackson. They were out due to injury. And now it seems like another corner is getting hit with an injury. Uh, Sean McDermott did reveal a bit more yesterday, though. He's in his morning press conference. Um Yesterday being Wednesday, October 18th, that he re-aggravated, Kyrie, that has re-aggravated an ankle injury sustained during training camp. So that's not good when you're two months removed from training camp and you re-aggravate it, but he was limited with that ankle injury. Uh, next, defenseman A.J. Epineza, he had a quad injury thing, but he was a full participant, nothing there. Running back Damian Harris, next slash concussion, he obviously was a DNP, obviously didn't practice. I mean, scary scene in Buffalo, right? I mean goes down, he can't speak or move for three to five minutes. The EMTs have to come out with the um, ambulance and stretcher he's putting on, put on a backboard, and then he gets the thumbs up after about, like I said, three to five minutes of not moving. Just encouraging to see, and then the very next day, nothing was wrong. Heart's all stable, movement in arms and legs. Um back home just resting now and he is in concussion protocol and he has a neck sprain i anticipate unfortunately that he'll go on ir and have to miss a minimum of four games but maybe that means an opportunity for running back ty johnson to get elevated from the practice squad and james cook and latavius murray have to carry even more of a load now uh it was reported by jordan schultz of the score on Twitter the other night that Leonard Fournette was going to visit with the Bills yesterday. But he, that never came to fruition. I I heard a story, I saw a story written up that apparently the Bills were just having Fournette visit for insurance because they thought someone was going to sign Ty Johnson off their practice squad. They were fearful that they were going to lose running back Ty Johnson, kind of do everything back off their practice squad to someone's active roster, but that didn't happen. And they canceled the Fournette visit. So I don't want Leonard Fournette anyway, but I think Ty Johnson has a real opportunity here from the practice squad. And unfortunately, I do think Damian Harris will have to <clears throat> go on IR. Uh, he's like, yeah, he wasn't playing much and he didn't have much of an impact. Only he had a one touchdown the year, but like he was a nice steady back to rotate in with Latavius Murray as the backup. So another nice veteran presence there. Uh, downhill runner. Next corner, Dane Jackson was limited with his foot injury. I assume he plays this week, but this isn't good to have him and Kyrie both limited practice due to lower by uh lower uh leg injuries in Kyrie with the ankle and Dane Jackson with the foot. We'll have to monitor those two. Uh next Dalton Kincaid concussion full. They have him on here because he just exited the concussion protocol, which is good. That means he's good to go. 
even before he was inactive last week, I told you guys in the preview episode that I don't think uh, Dalton Kincaid will play because anyone that's in the concussion protocol doesn't play the very next game. No one has done it this year. No one's done it since week six last year with Kenny Pickett. It's pretty rare, especially with the whole two, uh, two or three concussions debacle. Well, two documented. I think there was a third, but two documented concussions debacle. The concussion protocol is much more strict, which is good. Keep these guys healthy, and if they need to sit out a game or two to do a concussion, then that's what happens. Uh, next, defensive back Cam Lewis, another defensive back. Uh, he was limited with a shoulder injury. Apparently, it was a stinger. Now, this is – I wouldn't call this concerning, but if he is out, this is a big blow. That means DeMar Hamlin would have to step up. I'm perfectly confident in DeMar Hamlin, but Cam Lewis is – ever since he got signed here as an undrafted fridge out of local kid UB – in 2019, he's made his bones, made his bones, if you will, on this team as a special teams ace, gunner, special teams ace, he, and on defense. He doesn't play defense much, but when he does, he gives you immense versatility there. He can play outside corner, nickel slash slot corner, safety, either spot str- free or strong safety. So, but mainly an ace special teamer. And the next, getting to his end, this is a very lengthy injury report for the Bills. Tight end Quentin Morris, he was didn't DNP did not practice with an ankle. So you got one tight end coming out of concussion protocol, full go, full blast with Don Kikane. You got another tight end getting banged up here with an ankle. Uh don't Quentin Morris is stats near one catch, 15 yards, one touchdown. I mean, just throw the needle and good on Quentin Morris to get open in that Giants game. It wasn't like it was a Excuse me, wasn't like it was a wide open window. Quentin Morris had to work against two defenders and get his hands in that ball. So that was good. He's mainly a blocker on offense and a special teams ace, just like Cam Lewis, but for offense. So, but he can provide here and there fill ins for touchdown, red zone, and whatnot. Uh, next, D, a couple D linemen to end off. Defensive tackle at Oliver did not practice with a toe. And then defensive end Greg Rousseau. Limited with a foot, I assume he'll play because he played last week, but they're just being extra cautious with him. I hope he didn't re-aggravate anything. I think this is just a continuation cautious measure type of thing. But Oliver did not practice with a toe. This is really concerning because our defensive tackle group, other than our, other than Ed Oliver, is already really thin. So I'll get to the implications later once I talk about McKees and all that. Um, and once we continue on and finish off with this preview, but, yeah, that's kind of concerning. I would say the most concerning in here is Ed Oliver and Kyer Elam. And then Ed. So I hope those two play, especially Ed Oliver, because we're in trouble if he doesn't. Remember, well, we'll get to that later. Next, for the Patriots, you thought the Bills had a lengthy list of 12 guys on there. The Patriots, I mean, the Patriots, I don't feel bad for them, but the Patriots had 20 20 guys in the injury report between did not practice and limited. So guys that did not practice, get ready for this, for the Patriots, did not practice Wednesday, October 18th. Offense lineman Trent Brown with a chest injury. Tight end Hunter Henry with an ankle. Cornerback slots just outside corner Jonathan Jones with an ankle. Reserve offensive lineman Riley Reef knee. Def- uh, pass rusher slash linebacker Josh Uche with a knee. And Kean White, defensive end, that can flex inside sometimes concussion. And he missed last week's game because of the concussion. I guess he's not out of protocol yet, which is interesting. He's still in it after one week. And then limited players for the Patriots on Wednesday, October 18th in practice included center 
starting center David Andrews with an ankle. Starting defensive tackle Christian Barmore slash nose tackle knee. St- uh, reserve cornerback slash safety Cody Davis knee. Uh, wide receiver DeMario Douglas concussion. I guess he missed last week too. And again, him and Kean White, which is surprising they're not out of it yet. Maybe some lingering effects. Uh, safety Kyle Duggar foot. <laughs> Trey Flowers foot, which he was activated. I think they opened his 21-day practice window a couple days before the game last week, if I'm not mistaken, but he's still not back. Uh, defense echo, Devon Godshaw, ankle, jet, <laughs> and then cornerback, Jack Jones, hamstring. I think they opened his 21-day practice window, too, because the other young Jones in the secondary, uh, Marcus Jones, is still on IR. Mike, uh, offense lineman, Mike Owen, Michael, Michael Wanahue, ankle. Starting safety, Jabril Peppers, knee. I'm not done. <laughs> Why does he do just a Schuster? Concussion. Running back reminder, Stevenson, ankle. Offensive lineman, guard, Cole Strange, knee. And lastly, cornerback, Sh- uh, Sean Wade, shoulder. Most impactful is basically four out of five of their starting offensive linemen did not practice or were very limited. That's concerning if I were Patriots fans. And we'll get to how that will impact later on when I talk about the defensive line and all that jazz and that dynamics. But a lot of the receivers, I mean, Demario Douglas, Juju Schuster, Hunter is a tight end, but he's still a weapon. Reminder Stevenson, basically the whole offense, because Zeke is literally Zeke. Like, who cares about him at this point? So, I mean, basically the whole offense, offense line weapons included, and a couple in their most impactful defense players in Josh Uche, Christian Barmore, Devon Godshaw. Uh, Jack Jones, they're injured. So, but anyway, let's get to the actual preview. I know th- 20 players of the Patriots, 12 players on the injury report for the Bills, so 32 combined between both teams. I mean, and who's a running ramp out of this matchup or any matchup for that matter? Uh, but next for the actual preview dynamics, my key, <clears throat> excuse me, my keys for the Bills offense. So I have three here. Again, I always want to reiterate if you have any more or any more points you want to bring up or something I missed, I'm always taking suggestions. Always love feedback from you guys in the comments below. And if you are listening on audio, come on over to the Around the Slice YouTube channel where you can comment if you'd like. But if you are listening on audio or watching on video on YouTube on the Around the Slice YouTube channel here, I appreciate either way. But I love that engagement down in the comments below. These are just the three most important keys I came up with. So, keys for the Bills' offense. First, find ways to get weapons other than Stefan Diggs involved to expose weak Patriots secondary. So, I'll talk about the weak Patriots secondary in a minute, but for the Bills' dynamics, I said this in a recap. Don't get my words twisted. I love Stefan Diggs. One of the very, not one of, the very best thing that could have happened to Josh Allen for his development and being got aggressive, and he went out and got Stefan Diggs, who was disgruntled in Minnesota, and he's been great ever since. The nonsense with his character over the offseason, training camp, OTAs, whatnot, that was just all nonsense. But I love Stefan Diggs, but Josh Allen had 16 pass attempts in the first half, and 11 of them, 11 of 16 targets went to Stefan Diggs. Now, I know people are going to refer to, well, Gabe Davis had a couple nice catches. Yeah, but after the first quarter, I don't think. I think he was only targeted one more time, and he dropped the pass. Now, some of that could have been they lost, Josh Allen, Josh lost, 
Ooh, Josh lost confidence in Gabe Davis because Gabe Davis was finally creating after a catch with something he rarely does, but he's fighting for a few extra yards and he fumbles the ball. Like, Gabe Davis, I want you to improve your skill set, but that's not your game. You catch it usually and go down. Catch it, go down. You're not, you don't need to fight for extra yards. You already got the first down. We talked about Josh not um wanting to slide after getting the first down. Well, we got to talk about Gabe Davis not wanting to go down after getting the first down. So that's what I think. Maybe some confidence was lost there. Uh, but listening to these weapons outside of Stephen Higgs, you have Gabe Davis. You have slot receivers like Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, Khalil Shakir, who made a nice catch the, uh, last week, Sunday against the Giants. And then you have tight ends like Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid. Now, I believe... Now, I know the whole offense didn't struggle. Well, the whole offense did struggle. But my point is, I know they didn't struggle. The only reason was because Don Kincaid was out last Sunday. That's not the only reason, but I think that was a big reason. Because even if, because they rarely ran two tennis sets. Dawson Knox and Quentin Morris are rarely in the field together like Dawson Knox and Don Kincaid usually are. But listen, f- uh, hear me out here. Follow along here. Um. When Don Kincaid plays, even if he doesn't get the target, or if, if he doesn't get the target, or he's not a good blocker, which he's not, or Josh doesn't look his way, he creates spacing mismatches. He creates distractions, and then that opens up lanes for hopefully guys like Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis mainly, and then Sprinkle and Hardy, Sherfield and Shakir. But he distracts defenders. He brings those linebackers, and those safeties have to buzz down from their safety spot to act as linebackers to mismatch on him, and it's a mismatch. So Dalton Kincaid distracts things and muddies up things in the middle of the field, if you will, even if he doesn't actually catch the ball and get the target. But I got to see... Gabe needs to be more consistent. And then I got to see, guys, you have a bevy of weapons at your disposal. And then Latavius Murray has improved his receiving ability out of the backfield. His career gone on. But I want to see James Cook get some more action out of the backfield. Maybe this, I know this might be too much for Ken Dorsey because creativity just goes out the window with him. It feels like he has a game plan. Sorry. Um, it feels like he has a game plan on what was I saying? Yeah. It feels like he, so say there's a game on Sunday, which it is this Sunday and was last Sunday against the Giants. It feels like he has a game plan on a Wednesday in that he goes into the game on a Thursday and it, well, this is my game plan. If it's not working, well, we're gonna continue to run it down their throats. We're gonna continue to run our offense and we're not gonna adjust. I feel like making second half adjustments is a real struggle. For Ken Dorsey, noticing, diagnosing with the de- how aggressive the defense is being and the opposing defensive coordinator is being. Yes, th- you did get two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen clutched up, but that was more Josh Allen than Ken Dorsey. I don't really think that had anything to do with Ken Dorsey. So you just got adjusting is a real struggle for him now. But imagine this: say you have so eleven per eleven players on. Offense. So say you got the five on Slimin, right? Uh Dean Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morse, um, Osiris Torrance, who's been awesome by the way, road grader, and then Spencer Brown, who's been awesome as well. And then say at quarterback, you got Josh Allen. That's six right there. And then say as your outside receivers, you got Stefan Diggs here on the left side, and then you got that's seven, and then you got Dave Davis here on the right side. 
or it might be opposite for your guys' screen, but two outside receivers, Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs, six to eight. That's eight guys in the field. And then say you got, say you got, um, maybe you only have one tight end on the field that time. So say it's just, let's have fun with it. And don't kick That's nine. And then get creative. Listen to this. Big brain idea. You get creative and put both James Cook, 10, in terms of personnel, and then Deontay already 11. That's 11 guys on offense. That's all your eligibles. So your offense looks like Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs on outside, and then Donkey Gain the slot. It's the big slot tight end. And then you have Deontay Hardy and James Cook lining up in the backfield. Who knows? Maybe they stay in the backfield till the snap happens, till Mitch Moore snaps that to Josh, uh, to Josh Allen, or some pre-snap motion where one goes behind the quarterback and they cross each other. This might be confusing, but they cross each other and then or one splits out wide, one splits out to the slot, or you have Dawson Knox in the backfield where we saw he took a couple handoffs in training camp. I just, that might have been a confusing long way to say. I just want more pre-snap motion, more creativity by Ken Dorsey, more window dressing, if you will, because if you could get a penalty by the other team or if they can't substitute in time, or if they can't cover both Deontay Hardy and James Cook, that's immense speed and athleticism and elusiveness out of the backfield. Maybe they both stay there. Maybe one splits out wide. Maybe Hardy splits out wide. Maybe Cook splits out wide. Maybe they both go to the same side of the field and split out in the slot. Who knows? But um, I want other weapons to get involved to expose this weak Patriots secondary because now I actually really like Putting injuries aside, I really like their safety duo in Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers. I think they're underrated, especially Kyle Duggar. I think Kyle Duggar has a case after this year to be the best safety in the game because Jordan Poyer does not look good for the Bills. I'm sorry. Most games he has, it, maybe one or, one or two games at tops at most, has looked good. So I really like Jabril Peppers. Uh, Kyle Duggar, actually. Jabril Peppers has that safety duo. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. Marcus Jones and Jack Jones, their top two young corners are on IR. Jonathan Jones, I really like Jonathan Jones, but he's a slot corner. He's had to play outside because of all the injuries, so you can expose that. But I'm mainly talking about corner Sean Wade, safety Adrian Phillips, and Jalen Mills, who Jalen Mills has converted from corner to safety and hasn't gone well, to say the least. And then corners, Miles Bryant and J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson was literally a healthy scratch for the Chargers just a couple weeks ago. And before, and then they traded in the Patriots for nothing. They basically wanted to get rid of the guy. I mean, what a whiff, like a five-year, $84 million deal. Then he gets traded back to the Patriots, but he quote-unquote broke out. Yes, he did break out, but he's not even starting over Miles Bryant, who's a career special teams ace. He's a career special teamer, and he's playing an out starting outside corner spot. So you can expose guys like Sean Wade, Adrian Phillips, Jalen Mills, Miles Bryant, and J.C. Jackson. I will say, though, I don't think the tight ends are going to be, like, uber productive this game. Or, not tight ends. Uh, slot receivers, like, Deontay should be fine because of speed, but Sherfield and Shakir, I think, will be kind of, and then maybe Kincaid, if he lines up in the slot, will be kind of limited because I do like their safety, like I said, Jabiro Peppers and Kyle Duggar. And the Patriots have their safeties play down the box a lot. And Kyle Duggar can do everything on defense. So, literally. So, yeah. I just think the slot receiver for the Bills will be kind of contained in a way. But we'll have to see. But other than Diggs, I mean, the bevy of weapons. Once again, 
James Cook out of the backfield, Latavius Murray, Deontay Hardy, uh, Trent Sherfield, Gabe Davis, of course, Stephen Diggs, but other than Stephen Diggs, Gabe Davis, uh, who am I forgetting? Dalton Kane, Dawson Knox. And then maybe Ty Johnson mixes in here and there if he gets elevated from the practice squad. But, and then my number one emphasis for Ken Dorsey, you're, I know you're not listening to this, but if you were, do some pre-step motion. Get the defense kind of off, defense on their heels, if you will. Do some exotic looks. Line up some guys in the backfield that usually aren't in the backfield. Do a lot of pre-step motion. So, long-winded explanation, but that's what I want. Second key for the Bills offense, in my opinion, of course, utilize. Now, this is very, very specific. This is kind of a scheme-specific thing and an opponent-specific thing, but utilize outside zone runs rather than between-the-tackles runs to expose weak Patriots and edge defenders. The reason why I say rather than um, between-the-tackles, downhill runs, first of all, that's not James Cook's game. So James Cook is not a down-the-hill runner. He doesn't get goal-line carries. He only has one touchdown the year, I believe. Yeah, one touchdown the year. He, that was a goal-line carry, but that's not James Cook games. And then you marry that with, I think they have a really nice defensive tackle duo in Christian Barmore, who's a really nice budding young defensive tackle, in my opinion. Stout nose tackle, if you will. And then Devon Gottschall next to him. Again, putting injuries aside. So mix. James, that's not James Cook's skill set and the pretty good defensive tackle duo with Barmore and Christian Barmore, that is, and Devon Godshaw. I think outside runs will behoove you a lot because so that you're in a static alignment and then the outside runs maybe Dalton Kincaid goes. There's two times Dalton Kincaid muddies up the middle of the field. Once again, bring it back to him with distracting, and then you hand it off, or maybe you'll do some pitches behind the line, and hopefully James Cook athleticism and elusiveness can get around those weak edge defenders for the Patriots. Uh, I'll talk about them now. I like Josh Uche, but he's more of a pass rusher than um, a run stopper. He makes a few runs, fills and nice run stops here and there, but he's more of a nice young budding pass rusher. Uh, but Matthew Judon's on IR, so that's irrelevant. Uh, but Dietrich Wise and Lawrence Guy, like they're old grizzled veterans at this point. I don't. I think they're both thirty plus. Actually, I don't think I know they're both thirty plus. But get them off their heels a bit. And the thing with James Cook is, once Josh pitches it to you, or maybe it's an end round or a jet sweep, whatever it is, you need to go. Like his. My gripes with James Cook, he's really elusive and he's really athletic, but he dances too much, and I don't feel like he hits the hole with enough penetration sometimes. Actually, a lot of the times. The last few games I've been kind of disappointed with, he takes a long time to get going. Once he gets in the open field, it's off to the races for the guy. You can't catch him most times. But he's rarely had those long, big chunk runs, if you will, this year because he he he's too... He's too patient. He doesn't hit the hole that stuff. Man, when you get the ball, James Cook, bro, you gotta, you gotta motor. You gotta go. We, we, he's dancing too much. He just, I hope I'm getting my point across that he just, he waits too long. He doesn't hit the hole with much conviction. And I really do think that's why they started the game with Latavius Murray uh, a lot in the first half. And James Cook was kind of the second half usage. And then they split because. Dave Smurray's a grizzled veteran. He's 33 years old, uh, 34 years old at this point. So it's huge. But 
the technique is much better, and he hits the hole with much more conviction. That's the right word. James Cook doesn't use enough conviction. He, he's too happy on his feet, if you will. So, But utilize outside zone runs because I do like their defensive tackle duo. Once again, far more than Godshaw. Far more, more than Godshaw, but divine Godshaw that is, but whatever. Um, My third and last key for the Bills offense, get back to consistent offensive rhythm. Now, this is a specific point total I want them to get to, but get back to consistent offensive rhythm by scoring at least 28 points. Um, I'm trying to see – should have planned this before, but I want to see. So let's go to the Bills' schedule because in their wins, I believe the formula winning for the Bills has – well, not formula, but one of the reasons why the Bills have won, so they're 4-2, and, and I believe all four of their wins, if I'm not mistaken – they're all at the Bills offensive scored at least 28 points, if not more. So let's see. I'm just looking at ESPN Bills scores right now. So if we look at schedule, will it have pass matchups? Okay, so Jets, that was a loss. Raiders win, th score 38. Commanders, 37. Dolphins, 48. Giants, 14 to 9. So 14. So I mean, three out of the four wins, they scored well over 28 points. And then the, the fourth win was a barely, barely, never should have been close, but close for no reason type of game over the Giants. They scored 14. That's why they struggled so much. I feel like the benchmark is 28. In the NFL, usually, I mean, I know the Dolphins was something to say it was 70 points, but when you score 28 to 30, 31 points in the NFL, at least 28, you have a pretty good shot, pretty good chance of winning. So I feel like if they score 28, they'll have a pretty good chance of winning, if not great chance of uh great high level great chance of winning. But can Dorsey take all the suggestions I gave you with the pre-snap motion and stuff and get back to consistent? offensive rhythm by scoring at least 28 points. I know that's a really specific point margin, uh, not point margin, point total, but again, if you score 28 points, you feel pretty good about yourself. I feel, yes, okay, this might, I've seen Bills fans split on Twitter. Half the Bills fans say, this is kind of including myself a little, say that Ken Dorsey, there's no offensive rhythm, there's no, there's no, um, uh, there's no offensive rhythm. He's not consistent in his play calling, this and that. But then other half of Bill's Twitter and Bill's uh, mafia, the mafia, Bill mafia community, I guess you could call it, uh, is saying, well, you're just pointing out other Bills and saying, you're just complaining. Look at this offense. They're top five, if not top three in most cases, but at minimum top five in every offensive meaningful metric, total points scored in the season, average points per game, uh, EPA per play, average yards per play. Um, Anything really that you look at their top five, but it's okay to be critical of Ken Dorsey. That's what those that uh, half of the Bills fans aren't getting. That it's okay to be critical of your own team. It's not always sunshine and rainbows, if you will. And I didn't like Ken Dorsey after last year. I went as far as to say I thought they should have fired him, but he's too inconsistent for me. And he does no pre-snap motion. He does no window dressing for the snap, if you will. And that's I mean, look at Miami's offense. I mean, Mike McDaniel can do it. I don't even know their name of their offensive coordinator. I know they have one, but I don't. I feel like it's Mike McDaniel who does the play calling most of it anyway. I think it's like Frank Smith, Frank Smith or something. It doesn't matter. But the look at the point is look at the Dolphins. They put like they put two tight ends in motion. They have 
Tua looking the other way, and then he pitches it to Reem Moster, and then he gets around the tight end and he goes in. I want Ken Dorsey to do more of that. Like, why can't the Bills' offense be as high flying as the Dolphins' offense? We saw we beat them 48 to 20 by 28 points in uh, week five, I think it was. I could track the week at this point with all my shows and stuff, but point remains that it's okay to be critical people gotta understand it. it's okay i know like this sounds grow well you're just greedy you're just complaining about nothing because they're top five and basically every meaningful offensive metric well no that's true and i know it's not affecting the offense but it's affecting my viewing like if you clearly watch it it doesn't feel like the top five in every meaningful offensive metric not even close so ken dorsey the last few weeks have been not been very consistent uh, keys for now my three keys for the Bills defense. Again, comments below. If you're listening on audio, I happily welcome you to come on over to their on the slice YouTube channel and give me your thoughts. If you're already watching on YouTube, drop down in the comments below any keys for the offense we just talked about or the defense we're about to talk about. But three keys for the Bills defense. First, I talked about all the injuries on the Patriots offense line, but exposed Patriots right tackle Vidarian Low. Now when the Patriots offense line, if that's a big when and big if, if and when the Patriots offense line is healthy, they're actually pretty cohesive and good. At oh, let me think of this. At left tackle, you got Trent Brown, who went to the Raiders a few years ago, disaster, and then came back to Patriots, high level play again. And then at left guard, you got Cole Strange, who was a reach at last year's draft, not like this past year, April two thousand. <clears throat> 22, so the 2022 NFL draft, the very last, or towards the back end of the first round. Excuse me. And then, but left tackle, Trent Brown, left guard, Cole Strain, center, David Andrews, right guard. Uh, oh, jeez. Who's the right guard? That doesn't matter, I guess. And then right guard, oh, Michael Wenihu, who arguably is the best offensive lineman. And then right tackle, Vidarian Lowe is the clear mismatch. So those first four, uh, left tackle, all the way to right guard is really good when they're all cohesive. So let's just say they're all healthy and all play, blah, 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 whatever. But they're pretty good. But right tackle, Vidarian Lowe or Riley Reef might start. But Vidarian Lowe and Riley, I don't care. But Vidarian Lowe, for this purpose, is he, he, he can be exposed a lot. I mean, he's only a second year player or a rookie. Either way, he's really young. He was taking the sixth or seventh round. I think he's from. One of the Michigans, I think it's Eastern Michigan, but Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. One of my actually five game predictions are related to Von Miller. I won't spoil the little tease here as they in the show business, but uh, but excuse me, but yeah, I feel like this is where you ramp up Von Miller, and even if not, Leonard Floyd can expose Vidarian Low. So I just expect Leonard Floyd and Von Miller to expose Vidarian Low heavily because, like I said, I like the rest of their offensive line like a lot. Not like overly, but I think Michael went and used the best one. But I like the other pieces they have too. And Cole Strange is a nice young piece. It's like you're out of Central Michigan, I think it was. So, yeah. Uh, second key of the Bills defense. Now, this is injury related because unfortunately, I don't think Ed Oliver will play. And I say unfortunately because we have a real issue if he doesn't, which leads me in the next key. Uh, key for the Bills defense here. If Ad Oliver can't go for whatever reason due to injury, guys need to step up to slow down slash stop Reminder Stevenson. Now you're not going to stop Reminder Stevenson. I know he's been like not awful this year, but he's been pretty bad this year, so average at best. I think it's just a present 
um, I was about to say prisoner of the moment. I think that's wrong phrase. I think that's just a, he's been a prisoner of the bad Patriots coaching that Bill O'Brien, the bad Patriots offense, and Mac Jones can't lead an offense and all that. But he can get going at any point. Don't awake the beast of you. Zeke, I'm not scared whatsoever. Goal line carries, whatever. Ramondre Stevenson is the same size as him. I think he's a couple inches taller and heavier, but I don't care about Zeke at this point. Even with Ed Oliver, we were looking for guys to step up next to him in place of Daquan Jones with Juna, I was about to say Juna Ford. <laughs> Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, and Puna Ford, even with Ed Oliver there. But without Ed Oliver, two of those three are going to be starting. I assume it would be Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle, and Puna Ford play a lot, and they would elevate Kendall Vickers from the practice squad, maybe even someone else as well. But fortunately, I don't think Ed Oliver will go in. Puna Ford's flash, but I think last week it was his first game being active since week one. So he was active week one against the Jets. Then he was inactive weeks two, three, four, and five, the next four, which I did not get whatsoever. At least in Jordan Phillips is healthy. He's somewhat reliable. Not reliable because he's injured a lot. But at least he plays through injuries a lot too. But at least with when he's healthy, he's reliable is not the right word. At least when he's healthy, he's contributes in some way. Tim Settle in this two years with the team, and don't say injuries because he's only missed one game, like I've said it before, one game last year in his two year with the Bills. Jordan Phillips has contributed when healthy, but Tim Settle, where has he been these last two years? Puna Ford should easily be playing over him, and I won't be surprised if Kendall Vickers takes his spot. I don't think we re-sign him after this year, but it's going to be a problem if Ed Oliver's out trying to stop Ramander Stevenson. Uh, the guys need to step up like Kendall Vickers, like Puna Ford, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips. I am so nervous about Tim Settle. I think I don't – last year, if you remember, so not this past free agency cycle, but March 2022. So 2022 NFL free agency, we signed him, Daquan Jones, bringing back Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, all these reunions. But mainly Tim Settle and Jordan Phillips and Daquan Jones, they were here, there to help at Oliver. And Tim Settle did nothing. Daquan Jones was awesome. Last year and this year, and Jordan Phillips contributes when he's healthy, at least. And Tim Sell, nothing. So, uh, third and final key for the Bills defense prepare for anything is Bill Belichick is pretty desperate at this point. I never thought five years ago, if you asked me this, I would have thought I would have laughed at you, looked at you like you had three heads. If you asked me, if you told me in five years, Bill Belichick will be fighting for his job as head coach of the New England Patriots, I'd be like, Man, you're crazy. That's ridiculous. Not anymore, reportedly, before the season that was. And it's even, the train keeps on going, if you will. It's even picked up more steam as they keep losing and losing. And they're 1-5 and five that Robert Kraft, if the pages don't make the playoffs, he won't be fired. He won't be afraid uh, to fire Bill Belichick. Or they might go the Don Shula route and they have a little private meeting and say, Bill, you either, we either fire you or you retire basically forced to retire for the PR because Bill Blachek wants to make it look better. No, I retired. I didn't get fired. I didn't do bad enough to get fired. I retired. It's one of those wink, wink, forced to retire situations, but either way, he's fighting for his job and look for him to throw the kitchen sink. I mean, they're one in five. They're desperate. I mean, they just were talking about this past week with Bill O'Brien, their offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, their offensive coordinator that, um, they want to get Louisville do-it-all quarterback slash wide receiver. Malik Cunningham more touches, whether that's on jet sweeps, actually playing quarterback, lining up out wide. And I agree he needs more touches, but 
Look for that to be. Look for a lot of jet sweeps. Look for a lot of fake punts. Look for some weird alignments. Look for some weird pre-snap motion. The Bills defense literally got to be ready for everything because Bill Belichick is pretty damn desperate at this point. Uh, next, my two player of the game predictions on offense and defense. For the Bills, I think it is James Cook. Now, like I said, he's got to run with more conviction. He's got the whole hit the whole better. He's got to be he's got to be more patient. He's got to stop dancing on his feet. He's got to stop getting his head feet. All that. But I think the outside, there is merit to what I said about outside zone runs rather than between the tackles downhill runs. Outside zone runs perfectly fit James Cook's skill set. And I think he'll get those edge defenders and what? Dedrick Wise and Lawrence Guy um, and even Josh Uche points more of a pass rusher. But mainly Dedrick Wise and Lawrence Guy off their heels, if you will. So I go James Cook, and one of my predictions is actually related to that, obviously. So my offense player of the game prediction is James Cook. Defense, I'm going to go Von Miller. Like I said, one of my predictions, one of my predictions, excuse me, I should say, is related to Von Miller. But I really like how the prospects line up for him this game. I feel like they ramp him up. They get him on Vidarian low and let him go to work, expose that right tackle, either rookie or second year. I don't care. I've used their Michigan either way. It's Vidarian low. <laughs> Next, my five game predictions. Now, I said spreading the ball, and I think Ken Dorsey's going to realize, hey, we love Stephen Diggs, but this whole offense can't just be 17 to 14 the whole time. We got to get other guys going. So, my first official game prediction is four different players have, wait, four different players on offense have touchdowns and scores. So, whether that is, so any mix of, and this can be rushing with James Cook and Latavius Murray too, but any mix of James Cook, Latavius Murray, I'll just run down the list, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. They finally got Deontay Harry going in that kind of backfield stuff that they've been trying to do the last few weeks. And uh, the backdoor little touchdown thing and then um, little touchdown thing in the end zone. So finally came to first round. I want to see him use the speed more, but anyone on offense, between all the weapons we have on offense, four different players on offense, have touchdowns, and then I said it. I'm gonna keep predicting this. I didn't predict it last week because obviously, Don Don Kincaid didn't play, but Don Kincaid gets his first touchdown of the season. I think he is one of the four players that gets the touchdown, so him plus other three. But Don Kincaid's his first touchdown of the season and career. I'm sure he'll keep that game ball. And then third prediction out of five, James Cook. Now, this might be bold, but James Cook is 150 yards from scrimmage. So scrimmage means rushing, return yards, and receiving, but he doesn't do any returning. So rushing and receiving combined, 150 yards, whether it's 75 and 75, 100 rushing, 50 receiving, or flipped. Either way, however he gets there, 150 yards total for James Cook from scrimmage between rushing and receiving. I think this is a big scheme. Fit big outside run zone runs game, like I already said, for James Cook. I feel like he'll not have those struggles, like I said, with the happy feet and not running with conviction and all hitting the hole with conviction and poise and all that. Uh, next, my last four last actual prediction because like the fifth one was just a winner and score predictively. But Von Miller gets his first sack of the season, I think, going against Van Aaron Lowe. I won't be surprised if he gets two, maybe even three. Three, but him and Leonard Floyd expect each to get a sack. But Von Miller, first sack of the season, marks he's officially back and in the fold. Uh, Bills, and then lastly, Bills win the game 31 to 21. This will be close, semi, no, still a 10 point win, don't get me wrong, but this will be semi close to like the last five minutes, five, six minutes of the fourth quarter for no reason at all. 
Bills pull away with a late touchdown. That's how I imagine it. So four touchdowns for offense left. Tyler Bass field goal. Tyler Bass has got to be better, though, like last week. Yeah, I only have two on field goals. Granted, it was a 52-yard field goal in 54, so not close by any means. But NFL kickers should hit that all day, especially of his caliber. $5 million a year kicker. But back to the point, um, Bills won the game 31-21. I talked about that 28-point threshold, and I just told you three of the four wins they got into 28. And then the one they didn't was last Sunday at football against the Giants. They scored 14 and won 14-9. And the offense wasn't in rhythm. But I expect the offense to score at least 28 points, obviously, because I have the Bills being the Patriots in Foxborough, 31-21. AC East, look at what is going on with the rest of AC East this weekend. Uh, I will say this right off the bat. The New York Jets are on a bye. It's probably a bad time for them to have a bye because they're just sizzling. Not sizzling, but, well, maybe they are because they have two wins in a row. They beat the Broncos. Yeah, that's not a big deal. But then they beat the Eagles. Dude, they picked off Jalen Hurts three times without their top two stud corners and Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed due to concussions last Sunday. I mean, that was awesome. But Jets are on a bye now. And then Bills at Patriots. I obviously predicted Bills win 31-21. And then Dolphins at Eagles on Sunday at football. No, I'm not slaying the Dolphins. So Dolphins fans, if you're watching this, don't get all upset. Don't get all, you know, well, you, you don't like us, but blah, blah. no, we did beat you 48-20. So you're the only real opponent. Villain. All the other teams you beat in are worse than 500, worse than 3-3 three and three at this point. So I'm not taking anything away, though. Scoring 70 points in an NFL game, but... A few weeks ago is unheard of, but I'm just saying. And then the one good elite team you did play was us, and we beat you 48 to 20. So I, I'm just pointing out a fact. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm not dismissing anybody. I'm just saying. <laughs> and but they play the Eagles. If they get their head kicked in, if they get their teeth kicked in, whatever that phrase is on Sunday football, I'm gonna have some real questions because how do the Dolphins fare against elite teams like Bills and Eagles if they get blown by both? Not a good look. But Dolphins, the Eagles on Sunday football. That's what's going on with the rest of the AFC East this week with the Jets, the only team not actually playing because they're on a bye. Uh, anyways, guys, I know this has gone a little longer than usual, but divisional opponent, a ton to break down. Um, enjoy the game Sunday. And, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening on audio or watching on video on the YouTube channel. Uh, we got great things for this YouTube channel. We got videos coming up, NFL trade deadline videos. Those are YouTube exclusives. That's why I say an audio. Come over on the YouTube channel. So anyway, uh, we got that content. You can follow me personally on Twitter at awangarner13. You can follow the show on Twitter for any schedule updates, any news like that at around slice. You can, and then lastly, as you see the ticker on the bottom here, uh, you can support the show on Patreon. It's not a requirement. Um, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. But if you like hearing my voice, I guess, and you like what I do, then you can go to. For just $3 a month, you can get extra exclusive content just for patrons. Um, for example, Power Ranking every Tuesday, 1 through 32. So you can go to patreon.com slash around slice, around the slice. Again, that is patreon.com slash around the slice. I'll put that in the description of audio or video here. And lastly, you can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, um, Google, uh, Apple, Spotify, or watch on youtube here or of course or wherever you get your favorite podcast enjoy the game sunday we'll be next next monday recapping this game and the week seven is over we're only a couple weeks away from the halfway point i cannot believe it we're going to do some halfway content report cards for the bills and other players as well so anyways guys thank you for listening to this game 
game preview show, I should say. I can't wait to talk to you guys again next Monday. Hopefully we've got some great news. Just a reminder again, I think Bills beat the Patriots in Foxborough 31-21. Bye.